So there's a uh, CBI weekend intensive that's coming up here soon. And what's interesting about the weekend intensive is uh, this is the one time a year that you can actually audit a class. You can audit a class, and what I mean by audit a class is you can sign up for it um, and spend the weekend listening, but it's primarily for informational purposes. See, when you audit the class, there's no papers and no quizzes, no exams, none of that stuff. You just listen and you get the information. And so while we would love for you to do that, I would definitely love for you to do that rather than not take the class. If you ask any of the pastors, anybody at CBI, we would quickly say there is something more to actually taking the full class. You get more out of it. It seems to stick more. You're able to utilize it more because you've done a lot of the work, right? You've, you've went through the grind of writing papers, of taking quizzes, of doing all of these things uh, that will help help the, the material settle in and that you can utilize it. But unfortunately, when I think about auditing a class, it oftentimes reminds me of Christianity and the fact that many men, in particular, audit Christianity. You see, they audit Christianity. They, 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 they want to be enrolled in the class and they want to be saved. But when it comes to doing the hard work of Christianity, when it comes to living it out in our lives, we typically don't want to take responsibility for that, right? Because it's, it's hard. We'd rather just to get in there, know some information, but then not have the responsibility of applying it into our lives. And unfortunately, as I'll continue with that, some of you audit Christianity on a weekly basis. You sit up under the teaching of the word and you hear the word being preached. You hear Jesus's commands from the Bible on how we should live, how our Christian life should look like, but yet we just stick with informational knowledge and we never apply it to our lives. And each week there's guys that go to church. Each week there's guys that go to sub-congregational ministries. Each week there's guys that serve and they go to HFG and do all of these things. But for some of you same men that do all of that, I could ask you the question of who are you discipling? Who is somebody that, is, that you're training up to be more like Christ in your life? as the Bible commands us to do, discipleship. And the sad part about that is there would be some of you in here that wouldn't have anyone to name. You wouldn't have anyone that you could point to, as Jesus commands us to do, to go make disciples. You wouldn't have anyone that you can point to right now and say, this person is somebody that I'm involved with on a weekly basis, that I'm in a discipleship relationship with every week, that we're constantly growing and seeking to be more like Christ, me and that person. You don't have that person. And the reason is because some of us think that discipleship is optional. We look at discipleship and say, oh, that's for, you know, the, the, the ones that are really committed. That's for the ones that, that have more time on their hands. That's for the ones that uh, are not as busy as I am at work. But what I want you to understand with discipleship is all of us are being discipled by something or someone. It's just a matter of what you're being discipled by, and what you're actually teaching other people. It's either Christ-like things, the Bible, or you're teaching them worldly things. Right? You think about some of you that have kids in here, have kids, you're always teaching your kids something. You're either teaching your kids God's way or you're teaching your kids the world's way. And so we're, we're, we're teaching something at all times. But what I want to show you today as we look at 
Matthew 28, a very familiar passage, one that most of you can recite off the top of your head. You don't even need to look at God's word is I want us to really look at this closely because what I what I notice is with this passage is most of us, when we hear this passage, we automatically think evangelism. And you're right. That, that, that's a portion of this, but we then miss out on the full context of making disciples, making disciples. And so that is what we're going to spend our time, that is where we're going to spend our time today in understanding that passage in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So if you're not already there, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Because Christ gave us a specific command. It was the last thing that he said before he left this earth. And you and I need to make sure that we have a a great understanding of his direction, this command, this imperative that he gave us, and make sure that we are aligned with the mission that needs to be at hand when we think about making disciples. And so as we look at our passage today, this is part one of a four-part series. And here is where we lay the foundation, lay the framework of what it means when we say discipleship. I want us to understand what it means. And I know many of you are asking, where's the homework? Where's the homework? Where's the study question? I didn't give it to you ahead of time because I didn't want you to premeditate or pre-study or come up with your own thoughts. I want us to all be on the same page and take away what it means to be a disciple and understand that from the words of Jesus starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We must recognize first, that first part, going back to verse 18, Jesus makes a statement that's very clear to them, that he wants to get through to them before he gives the command. It says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, all authority, everything is up under me. Jesus is the most important person. Jesus reigns supreme over everything in our life, and he needs them to understand that first before he gets to the Great Commission, before he gets to the command that he gives them. is he, They need to understand, and we need to understand today, Jesus needs to have his right place, the supreme authority over our life. And that's point number one for us this evening, is you and I need to recognize the supremacy of Jesus. You and I need to recognize the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is supreme. He is above everything. He is the most authoritative person, thing that we could ever have on earth. And if you don't have this in this order, everything else that he says right after this won't really matter or it won't last. Right? You'll, you'll, you'll start off on the right track, but it won't last because something else has taken that priority in your life. And he needs to be the priority. He has to be the priority because he commands to be supreme in your life. And unfortunately, living in this world, everything else in this world is opposite of what Jesus said. And so if you don't focus on having Jesus as supreme in your life as that primary spot, that priority in your life, this world is going to naturally gravitate you to something else. Because guess what? Jesus' word says, love others. Guess what this world tells us to do? Love yourself. Right? Jesus' word says, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But guess what this world says? Get rich. 
Money is power. Money is everything. Jesus' world says, have humility and meekness. Guess what this world says? Have self-confidence, right? Have pride in everything that you do. Jesus spent his whole ministry trying to get everybody around to set their minds on things above, on eternal things. Guess what this world does? It wants your mind on things today. It says this life is all that matters. You don't have anything else, so you need to put all your eggs in the basket of this life. And so this world is completely different. He has authority over all, and you and I need to recognize that before we get anywhere else. Right? Because if we look at the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament, we look at the whole Bible, we look at this whole world, the whole reason that you and I are here, it all points to Jesus Christ. And he must reign supreme in our life as well. Nothing else compares. Nothing else compares to Jesus Christ. Write these two passages down. We'll go Old Testament first. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Prophetically speaking about Jesus, the one to come. Daniel says this. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, God, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. The whole Old Testament is pointing to somebody that's going to come, somebody that's going to be that person that's going to have an everlasting kingdom. That person is Jesus. That person is Jesus. New Testament points back to who that person is. Who is he? Colossians 1, 15 through 18. Paul says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. You and I need to recognize that Jesus must reign supreme in our life. He demands nothing less than to be the priority, to be the number one thing, to be authority in our life, that everything in our life should flow from what Jesus wants and what Jesus calls for our life. We must recognize him as that supremacy in our life. And that means that we must recognize ourselves as sinners. That's the first thing. In order for Jesus to reign supreme, we must surrender our life to him. We must understand that we are sinners. We don't deserve him. We don't deserve anything else but hell. The world doesn't like to hear that, but we don't deserve anything else but hell because we are sinners and we cannot stand before a holy God. But God, because he was rich in mercy and grace, sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. Right? He lived that perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, past, present, and future. His blood on the cross, and then he resurrected from the grave. He defeated death, right? all so that we could have eternal life. But the only way we can have eternal life is if we surrender our life to Christ. We put our faith and trust in him, his work, and we repent from who we are, living for ourselves and say, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus being the Lord of my life, not myself anymore. Jesus demands to be the Lord of your life. He's not trying to be your homeboy. He's not trying to be your co-pilot. 
He's not trying to be somebody that you call on in desperate times. He demands to be the Lord of your life. And we understand that lordship, salvation that Jesus calls for, and understand that nothing in this life matters except for him, then we will obey his commands. We will listen to what he has to say. Some of you in here right now, that upon hearing, surrendering your life to Christ, there's some business that you need to do with Christ because you've been running. You may have been hearing the word and all of those things, but you've yet to surrender your life to Christ. You've, let, you've yet to say, I'm no longer in control. I, 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 I can't do this. I need a Savior, and I'm surrendering my life. I'm going to live my life for Christ. Some of you need to still do that. And there's other of you, others of you in here that have done that. You have surrendered your life to Christ, but yet you have drifted back to the world that this world will constantly pull you into. And you need to repent and put your mind back on Christ and surrender your life to Christ and continue to live for him as he once was in your life, the priority in your life. We'll all stand before Jesus. And he will, he will not say, I can guarantee you, he will not say, you know what, I understand, you know, that little season of your life where you were busy. I understand that season of your life where, you know, work was demanding and, and you didn't have time to follow me. I understand that that season in your life where you were in a room full of guys and there was nobody as holy as you, so you, you just had to do it by yourself. I understand that. Jesus will not say that. And the only way we get back to right thinking and putting Jesus in his priority spot in our mind and in our life is when we understand who he is and what he's done for us. When we have that, when we have him in his right spot, supreme over everything, as he says in Scripture, then we give ourselves a chance of following him and listening to his words and pursuing him. He's the only thing that matters. And speaking of what matters, Jesus had the parting words for his disciples. Before he left earth, he had some parting words for them. And oftentimes it makes me think of like a coach, right? You, you spend the whole preseason, you spend all practice, all week preparing for the game. And there's a lot of direction coming at you. And there's a lot of things that you need to do that you should do. There's a lot of commands for you. But right before the game starts, most coaches all the, most times try to sum it all up in one phrase. If there's anything that you need to hear right now, this is what you need to hear. Because everything else is going to flow through that. If you get this right, Jesus gives us his final words before the game back in our passage. He says before he leaves, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded commanded you. Make disciples. Make disciples. That's the verb there, right? That's the imperative. That's the main verb. That's the main action that he said, go make disciples, right? And then he, he takes it a step further and he says, of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them. Those are the participles that you have. So you have this main verb of go make disciples, and then you have these participles that, 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 that are co connected to the main verb, right? So making disciples, part of making disciples is going to be baptized. 
Right? That, that's that's disciple-making. That's part of being a follower of Christ, is that once you are a follower of Christ, once you have surrendered your life to Christ, once you have been saved, and once you are a believer, you are now to get baptized. Some of you need to hear that this evening. Amen? You now need to get baptized. That is a command for all believers to get baptized, to go profess that they are now living their life for Christ. They are in allegiance with Christ. And then that second participle that he uses, teaching them. Teaching them, right? Teaching them to hear, to obey, to, to follow Jesus, to observe all things. Right? To observe all. Those are components of being a follower of Christ. Baptism. Teaching. Oftentimes we, we look at this verse, and as I alluded to at the outset, is we automatically think of, i got to go share the gospel. This is, this is the missions, this is evangelism, and you're right. You're right. But that's not, that's not all it is, right? Because Jesus says in here, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, right? Going to share the gospel with somebody, you're not going to teach them all that Jesus commanded in the gospel, right? You want to share the good news of why they need Jesus, why they need a Savior, why they are a sinner. They need a Savior. But there's an ongoing relationship that's talked about here when we talk about making disciples. So you have the evangelism, right? That's there. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm not discounting that. That's part of this passage, that we are to go share the truth. We are to go share the good news about Jesus Christ. But what's often forgot about in this passage is there is a command for us to make disciples, to teach people, to be learners, constant learners. And it's shared all throughout Scripture, right? We see it all throughout Scripture. I'll point to that here in a a, a little bit, but it's twofold, right? Evangelism, and then teaching and learning constantly all throughout the rest of our life. And what's interesting about what Jesus just said is, if you remember back in Matthew 10, 5 and 6, you can write that passage down. Matthew 10, 5 and 6, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, he sent out the 12, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's saying first, when he first started the mission, when he first sent the 12 out, I want you to focus on Israel, right? I want you to share the good news with the house of Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go anywhere else. Focus on Israel. And that's what makes this, the Great Commission so significant because by the time we get to the end of the book, when Jesus is about to leave, he says, okay, no longer just focus on Israel. Focus on everybody. Go to the ends of the earth. Go to all nations. And so it, 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 it's now grown, right? The mission is now grown. We've gone to Israel, and now he's talking about going to the ends of the earth sharing the good news of the gospel and teaching people to obey Jesus' commands. There's no restrictions there. Right? He's saying, I, I, I taught you, right? Jesus said, I taught you. Now you are to go teach others. Right? That's the whole, that's the whole concept of that discipleship. Jesus teaches his disciples, they go teach others, and then others go teach others, and then others go teach others, and then you're constantly learning and teaching, learning and teaching, learning and teaching, learning and teaching. That's the whole point of discipleship, learning and teaching for the rest of our lives, right? Everyone is teaching and learning, and we need to understand that this was the command that Jesus gave us. This was what he left us with. This is what he left the disciples with, and this is what you and I are supposed to do each and every day of our life. And we need to understand that discipleship is not optional. And that's point number two this evening. Understand discipleship is not optional. It's not optional. I mean, even before we get to the New Testament, you see discipleship happening all throughout Scripture. It wasn't a new thing here. 
right? We see discipleship with, with Moses discipling Joshua, right? With Samuel discipling David, with Elijah discipling Elisha, right? All throughout. Then you get Jesus and the disciples. Then you get Paul. Then you get Peter. It's this discipleship. This You have someone that's learned about Jesus now in the New Testament, learned about Jesus, and now he's teaching. And now that person is going to teach. And now that person is going to teach. And it's this trickle effect that continues to spread. The good news of the gospel continues to spread how to be obedient and follow Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth through discipleship. It's not an option. Jesus commands for us to do it, all of us. If we're followers of him, then that means we're disciples. And that means that we must always be teaching and learning, teaching and learning, teaching and learning. Learning what? How to follow Jesus Christ, how to obey Jesus Christ. It's not a two-tier system. It's not for those that are, you know, the, the super religious and the ones that are really committed. It's for all of us. It's not an option. And now that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be behind a, a, a pulpit or you're not going to be in a class teaching a CBI class. It's not going to, you're not going to have this big audience, but you're always to be discipling. Everybody in here has opportunity to, to do one-on-one discipleship. If you are a believer, you have a testimony. You can start there. Start there. You were bought with a price by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that when we surrender our life to Christ, it's not that we surrender our life to Christ and say, hey, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. When you say Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, you then adopt his plan and his mission. And his mission is to teach the whole world, all nations, to follow him, to obey Jesus' commands. But here's the number one thing that you have to do. Number one thing that you have to do. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Because otherwise, if you keep trying to to put yourself up there of, "I, I don't need to do this or I don't have to do this, then you'll convince yourself that there's not a need for it. But the number one thing that you have to do and what Jesus told his disciples if is you have to deny yourself. Luke 9, 23 and 24. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You must deny yourself. You must deny saying things like, I don't have time for discipleship. I'm too busy. If you're too busy, you need to cut some stuff out of your life because this is what Jesus commanded us to do, right? You, you must deny yourself from saying, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have the right person, right? The right person is not in my MBS group, right? Because otherwise I'd do it. If I had the right person that knew me, that, was, that fit my lifestyle and all that, we got to deny ourselves from saying that. We got to deny ourselves from thinking that, I, you know what, I, I'm at a different level than this other person. So they don't have anything to teach me, right? I'm, I'm too holy, you got to deny that. And it might sound like I'm being facetious, but you may not say it, but that's some thoughts. That's some thoughts that there's nobody in here that can teach you anything. And for those of you that are young, you got to deny saying, I'm too young to be used right now. I don't know enough. So who can I disciple? If you're ready and willing, God will provide you everything that you need. The Spirit will work through you. But from the beginning, from the beginning, when Jesus first started his ministry, when he was out back in Matthew 4, 19 with Peter and Andrew, he told them, I will make you fishers of men. Right? That, the discipleship started there. I'm going to make you, you, you're good at fishing. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to teach men how to obey my commands. 
make you fishers of men. Learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning about Jesus and then teaching it to others. Before we get too far into this, not that we're not far enough already, but let me define some terms for you. Define some terms to make sure we have it clear. The first thing we need to define is disciple. Matetas, disciple. Right? What does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is a learner, a student, a follower. It's a follower. That's, that, that's what that word means. It's used 27 times, 20, or excuse me, 72 times in the book of Matthew. Constantly using that word. It means to be a learner, a follower. And then we see discipleship. You don't see that. Actually, tricked you there. You don't see that word in Scripture. Right? But discipleship, you add that ship on the end, and that is the state of being a learner. Right? The state of being a disciple, a follower. And how often should that happen? Your entire life. Your entire life. I should be able to ask you at any point in time, who are you learning from and who are you teaching? And then you have somebody in mind. Because that is discipleship. We're always in the business of learning and teaching, learning and teaching, learning and teaching all about Jesus. Another term we hear is discipling. Discipling. Discipling, and I put this definition up here to help us understand this, is helping a fellow Christian live like Jesus in all aspects of their life. Helping a fellow Christian live like Jesus in all aspects of their life. Right? And so there's that teaching aspect. We are to be teaching, teaching people how to live more like Christ. Well, what do I teach them? Teach them the things that Christ taught. Teach people how to pray. Teach people how to share the gospel. Teach people how to read the word. Teach people how to study. Teach people how to be more godly in what they're doing. Teach people how to manage their money and, and, and how to think about stewardship when it comes to their money. Right? Teaching. And that's different from evangelizing, which I put up there. Because when we say discipling, discipling means that we're discipling a believer. This is somebody that is professed faith, somebody that is a believer that we're saying, I'm going to come alongside of you and help you to live more like Christ. If you've got a non-believer, you're evangelizing. You're sharing the gospel with them. You're sharing truth with them. You're sharing all the things that are needed to know about Jesus Christ in order for them to say, I surrender my life. I give my life to Christ. Evangelizing for non-Christians. I threw this last one in there, not because it's in a passage, but because it's the title of our series is Authentic. Authentic. We need to understand what authentic means, and that is it means for us to be real, to be transparent, to be truthful. And the reason I threw that adjective on front, in front of discipleship is because you can be in a discipleship relationship, but you can still stay guarded because you don't want people to know the real you. And so you can sit there and go through the motions the entire time and, and check the box and say, yep, I'm discipling, but you've yet to be authentic and you won't move the needle. Discipleship requires us to be authentic, to be truthful, to be honest with one another. And that is how we grow. Why do we need to engage in discipleship? There's two things for you. Obedience to Christ and love for others. We engage in discipleship to obey Jesus Christ because we love him and we understand what he did for us. And he's given us a mission, and he's given us a command, and we want to obey our Lord and Savior. That's number one. The second part is because we love others. 
We want nothing more than for the people that God has placed around us to experience the joy, the everlasting joy of having a relationship with Jesus Christ and growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We should do this because it's the final and great commission that Jesus gave us. He gave us this commission before he left earth. And this was his plan. This was his plan. He could have he said, you know, my plan is going to be everybody just go to church. Just, just go to church. Don't say anything. Just sing a few songs. Listen to the preacher yak and then go home. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. But he didn't say that. He said, go make disciples. Go make disciples. This is the way that Jesus is going to build his church. It's by you and I taking this, serious, taking this seriously, taking this responsibility and saying, he's speaking to me. If I'm a believer, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I am required to go make disciples. It's not an option. It's not if I feel like it or if I feel like I'm good at it. Jesus is saying we need to make disciples. That is the mission. That's how he is building his church. And he is going to build his church regardless. He can use you. He can use me. He can use us. He can use Compass Bible Church. He can use Compass men to build his church in a significant way. But we need to be ready and willing. He eventually, of course, ascended back to heaven. But the great part about it is he didn't leave his disciples alone. And he hasn't left us alone. He is there every step of the way. Right, that last verse, 20, the end of it. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We read it in our DBR today, John 16. Right, Jesus said, I must go, but I, I, I'm going to send you the helper. And here's what the helper, the Holy Spirit, that's going to indwell within you is going to do. All right, he's going to glorify me. All right, and so no longer am I, physical Jesus, going to be here on earth where I'm geographically locked in. I'm going to send the helper down, and he's going to be able to spread across bodies of water, across land, all over the world through believers. And he is going to help you. Jesus is sending his spirit, and his spirit is with us. When you get weary, when you get tired, when you think that, hey, I, I just can't do it anymore, Jesus is with you through the spirit. When you feel like you're ill-equipped, and you're not going to be able to disciple, and you don't know how to do it, Jesus is with you through the spirit. But he requires us to be ready and willing and faithful to follow him. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. Right? Just think about that. He's able to do far more than you could ever imagine as long as you are ready and willing. The fact that Jesus rolled out this mission 2,000 years ago amongst a smaller group of people and now you look at Christianity, you look at the church, universal church, and see how it's continuing to grow, should give us faith and confidence in the mission that Jesus rolled out. The fact that, ironically enough, the, 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 the areas, the countries, the continents that are being persecuted the most are the fastest growing Christian continents and countries because Jesus is at work in all of this, that should give us confidence that his plan is not going to be thwarted. His plan is not going to be stopped. It should make us trust that Jesus' discipleship mission, it will never be stopped. It will never end. 
And we can have confidence in that. And that's point number three this evening is trust that Jesus' discipleship mission will never fail. It will never fail. It will never fail. It, it, it will be victorious in the end. It's been victorious for the last 2,000 years, and it will not be stopped. Matthew 16, 15 through 18, write that down as you're writing down the point. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Not Peter, for the former Catholics in here, not Peter. Right? He's not building his church on Peter. He's building his church on Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It shall not prevail. There's nothing that this world can do. Nothing that this world can do to stop Jesus' plan, stop Jesus' mission of discipleship. Right? It, it keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps growing. It keeps growing. doesn't matter what you try. Christ is the cornerstone. And if we pursue him, there is nothing that this world can do. PM talked about this this past weekend from the pulpit, right? Jesus is victorious. The, 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 the victory has already been, been won, right? The battle has already been won. We, you and I, still have to walk through it. But he, he's won in the end, right? And he's given us a plan to get there, to continue to build his church until he returns, and that's through discipleship. But the battle is already won. And that should give us great confidence, and that should... Give, allow us to trust in his mission that it will never fail because it hasn't failed for 2,000 years. It's only gotten bigger and better and stronger because of discipleship, because there was a teacher that taught to his disciples and his disciples continued to teach and their disciples taught and they taught and they taught. And here is why you and I can sit here in the room as believers today with the word of God in front of us and say that his kingdom is still being advanced it's through discipleship. Paul and Timothy, great example. And here's the epitome of discipleship. Here's a verse, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul tells Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right, entrust at the faithful men. The same stuff I've taught you this whole time that you've been my disciple, you've been on the road with me, you've seen, you've heard, you, 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 you've listened to the teaching that I've given you. Now go teach that to other men. That's the mission. And the plan is discipleship. Right? Discipleship. There was a story about a, um, a pastor and a, a businessman. And a businessman wanted to meet with this pastor. And he asked the pastor to meet. And they met at a coffee shop. And the businessman said, hey, I want to study God's word better. Teach me how to study God's word and the pastor told him, okay, go pick up this book and meet me here next week and let's work through it. And so week after week after week after week, they continued to meet, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching. And at one point, the pastor looks at the businessman and say, you know what, we're doing a lot of learning. You ever thought about going back to school? The businessman said, nah, I ain't doing that. I graduated one time. I told myself I'd never go back to school. But they kept meeting. Learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching. And eventually, after the businessman was back in school again in seminary, the pastor told him, hey, have you ever thought about preaching? Nah. 
business. And I, I, I don't do that preaching stuff. I don't, mind, I don't mind public speaking, but handling God's word, that's for you guys. I'll let you do that. Teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning. Week after week after week after week after week. The businessman started preaching. And then after that, the pastor asked the businessman, you ever thought about full-time ministry? The businessman said, no, nah, man, I got aspirations, and I'm on, I'm on a real good track right now, and I'm going to hit all the goals and desires that I want in life. I'll leave that to you. Teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, week after week. That businessman gave up his job, and he came on to full-time ministry. Teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, week after week. That businessman went from full-time ministry to being a pastor. Some of you might raise your eyelids saying, that story sounds familiar. Because that was me and Pastor PJ. Right? That was the story of Pastor PJ and I. It was the first story. It was a story of being willing and ready to learn. And I'm not saying that to boast at all. Because I'll tell you, I, I feel like I'm the most unworthy person God could have chosen. I feel like he could have chosen many other people beside me, besides me. But there was some desire that he put in my heart, just like he puts in everyone's heart in here that is following him to say, you need to learn more about me. But it's just a matter of, are you going to do it? Because when you do it, when you're ready and you're willing to, to, to be discipled and to disciple others, then it's far beyond your imagination what God can do. And I'm a living testimony to that. Because I'll tell you right now, none of this was part of my plan. Absolutely none of it. Not even close to it. But it was part of God's plan, and I'm so thankful that it was. But it required a discipleship. It required being able to say, I'm willing to put this thing behind because Jesus is the most important thing. And you go through that teaching and learning, teaching and learning, teaching and learning phase. God's plan won't fail. He'll continue to, to raise up men that have no business in the first place doing what they are doing, but only through Jesus Christ, only through the Spirit. He will use them and guide them to continue to advance his kingdom. And that's my story, but that could be any one of us in here. There's nothing special about me at all. I guarantee you that. I'd be the first one to tell you. Other than I was ready and willing when the time came. So that's the question. Because God's put that desire on all of your heart. If you're following Christ, you've had the desire to go learn more. You've had the desire to, to teach people. You've had the desire to go uh, share the gospel with people. The question is, are you ready and willing? Are you ready and willing? Because if you are, he'll use you. He'll use you in a way that you couldn't even imagine. But it requires you to deny yourself and say, Jesus is the most important person. All authority has been given to him. So I'm giving my life to him. And I'll see what he does with it. All right, that's how it happens. The trust the mission. Trust discipleship. Because if we get serious about discipleship, if everybody in this room takes this message, takes what we're talking about tonight and says, I'm going to get serious about discipleship, God will do things that we can't even imagine here starting in this ministry. 
right? Because if discipleship is happening over here, then all of a sudden before you know it, you got a pastor over here, you got an evangelist over here, you got a missionary that pops up over here, or you got somebody that's teaching God's word that happens over here, right? And then this missionary goes over there and starts teaching people over here. And then before you know it, this whole family gets saved over there. And you got pastors all throughout that family over there, right? And then you have these pastors over here that, that, that got discipled and they're starting to preach to thousands of people or hundreds of people. And then that continues to go to the ends of the earth. But it starts with you taking discipleship seriously. That's not a fantasy. That's not one of those things you read in, the, in a book and just say, oh, wow, that happened over. It can happen here. And I pray that it happens here. But it requires each one of us to take responsibility and say, I'm going to take discipleship seriously. It's not going to be an option for me. At all times, I'm going to have somebody that I'm learning from, not just your small group, not just hearing me preach, but somebody that knows me, somebody that knows my life, somebody that knows what I need to do to, to, to increase my relationship with Christ, to grow closer to him. They know my weaknesses, and they're continuing to come alongside of me. And you need to be teaching someone else. There's somebody around you that could use, use the things that God has placed on your heart, the God, that God has, the experiences that he's taken you through. There's somebody around here that can use those. But we must be ready and willing. My hope and prayer for this first portion of this, uh, this series is that we would think more seriously about discipleship. That we wouldn't just look at it and say, eh, it's not for me. But that we would understand that Jesus gave this command for all people that follow him. In order to follow Jesus Christ, you must be engaged in discipleship. You just must be. You have to be. There's no way around it. Right? That, that, that must be the case. So the question is, are, are you known? Are you known? Does somebody know who you are? They know the things that, that, that not everybody needs to know, but there are certain people that know more about you than others. Are you known? Right? Have, have you led someone to Christ? Have you led someone to a better relationship with Christ? Right? Are you discipling someone? Those things should always be happening at every portion of our life. Just can't help but to think about the impact that we could have if we take this serious. The doors that God will open here at Compass Bible Church. I mean, this room here, this room in 120 West should be full of men. We shouldn't have an open seat in here because it starts with us that are here tonight that take discipleship serious. And we start to bring other guys alongside of us, have that teaching-learning, teaching-learning relationship. It benefits us. It blesses us. It sanctifies us when we're in that. And it sanctifies that other person when we're involved in it. We're going to have four parts to this series. And so I know there's probably like a lot of what do I do, how do I get there, what, what steps next. Those are coming. But before we get so far down the field, we, we got to learn how to tie our shoes right, right before we start playing the game. We need to understand foundationally what does discipleship mean? Why do we need to do it? And understand that it is a command. It is an imperative. It is a responsibility that Jesus gives all people that follow him. And then if, after that in our, our, our next session, we'll go into what does it entail? What does it mean? Why don't we do it? 
We'll go into all those, and then sessions three and four, we'll talk about practically what does it look like. How do you select the right person? How do you, how do you match up with somebody that's going to be effective discipler for you? All right, we'll talk about all that. What kind of conversations do you have? How do you ask the tough questions? All that stuff is to come. But right now, you and I need to start by obeying what Christ has commanded us and thinking about discipleship in a stamp, from a standpoint that all of us must do it in order to be followers of Christ. To be followers of Christ, we should be in discipleship. That's part of our life. We take that seriously. God will start working through that. You ask somebody tonight. You can do that tonight. Ask somebody tonight. Teach me how to study the word better. Teach me how to pray better. Teach me how to evangelize better. You know all, most of the guys in your group. You know what they're doing well. You've seen what they're doing well. Teach me how to do that. You humble yourself that way and start to submit yourself to others so that you can grow to be more like Christ. God will do great things starting here in this ministry. And I pray that would be the case as we have the right understanding, right foundation of discipleship and understand that it is required for all of us. And Jesus will build his church through the mission of discipleship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for using discipleship as a way to build your church. And Lord, we are so grateful to know that uh, the gates of hell will never prevail. They won't. There, there's nothing that this world can do to stop your plan. Lord, we know you will continue to disciple, you make disciples. You will continue to make people new creations in Christ. Lord, I just pray that you would use our church, that we would as a church, as men, that we would take this seriously, that we would go out and seek to be in discipleship relationships, that we wouldn't create excuses, we wouldn't continue to put it to the back burner, but we would start that today, praying earnestly about how and who we can be in a discipleship relationship with. And although we're going to get to most of the practical things later on in this series, Lord, I pray that you would just work in our hearts today to even start to pursue those relationships. Lord, you are the one that is going to do the work anyway. So I pray that we would take this seriously. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Thank you for this great commission that you've given us that's so clear and that we can know that all authority has been given to you and that you are victorious in the end. And Lord, we are called to engage in discipleship and continue to share the good news about Jesus Christ, knowing that there will come a time where the last person will be saved on this earth and Jesus will return. Lord, we can't wait for that day. And I just pray that you would be with us even as we study now, that we would be transparent and we would be real and authentic about discipleship in our life and that we would be zealous to make it better starting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.